diving into data. Diving, di diving, d data. Diving into data with T.C. Riley. Hello, hello, hello again, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Diving Into Data. I am your host, T.C. Riley. How's everyone doing out there? How's your August wrapping up? Coming towards the end of the month, going to be in September before we know it, the end of the year in Q4, we're going to be right around the corner. So I hope that everyone's doing well and things are going well in your neck of the woods. For those of you who listen often, you'll notice we did take a couple of weeks off the last two weeks. As I warned, uh, I think three weeks ago in our episode, uh, my wife was pregnant and now we have a beautiful new son. Wyatt Austin Riley was born on the evening of August 9th. So uh, mom and baby are both doing well. Mama did an awesome job. Baby's doing really well and is healthy. So everything's good in the Riley household, but apologies for missing the last couple of weeks and uh, preventing you from getting your diving into data fix. But I'm really excited to be back with you guys and excited for an awesome show we have today. The title we're working with today is Data Starts at Home. Pretty straightforward title that we're going to really look at the internal workings of a business and some ways that not necessarily from an overly complex, overly data centric position, but more from a people and processes and management uh, perspective, how data should be used in every company, especially now that we're just about every company has fully embraced the digital transformation. Uh, if they hadn't, frankly, before the outbreak of the last six months, they almost certainly have now. But there's a lot of things that while we've talked time and time again about how you know Penglib service to data and wanting to use data is one thing, and it's a great thing, and it's an important step, but there's often a lot of roadblocks just for internal usage. And we're not talking about overly complex data looking at churn or uh, overly complex you know, manufacturing data, maybe if you're in that space. We're just talking about some kind of simple basic level data that you should be using around your team and with your team and how important it is for your team to fully embrace that in every capacity. So the two main topics we're gonna talk about first, we're gonna hit on upskilling and reskilling employees for data usage in their roles. Again, not just having a data team or a data group that does everything that's disconnected from the rest of the business, but how data should really be integrated throughout your business. It should be a web that's connected to every point of everything that your company is doing. The second main topic is going to be understanding and fixing your internal data. So we're going to be looking at a use case, uh, kind of a project outline for you about okay, I need to do this. We need to do better about using this internal data. Well, how do I go about it? I'm going to share with you something we did internally uh, for a specific department and a specific project internally, but also how that could translate and what steps I would recommend in kind of setting up one of these little projects to really move your team forward when it comes to understanding data, data discipline, doing the right things and understanding uh, what's required to get some of the awesome analysis and insights that everyone wants to get out of data. So with that, I hope everyone's doing well today. Sit back, relax, grab a drink if you choose to do so. Let's dive into some data. Our first topic today for Data Starts at Home is upskilling and reskilling your team. As always, before we dive into this, I had a couple great sources I used to help me along with this. I want to shout out. There was a good DataQuest article I read about data can help organizations identify future leaders. So we're going to touch on that and how data can play into the future leaders of your company and your program. Also a cool FedTech magazine article, data science reskilling program launches for the feds. Government launched something pretty cool recently. We're gonna to touch on that and what it involves. And also lastly, an Associations Now article about why reskilling is an important tech opportunity in 2020. Three great articles that kind of touched on different things that really helped me along today. So when we're talking about upskilling and reskilling your team, what are we talking about from a high level? 
Um, to start, I would say that the biggest mistake, and I've hit on this in the past, that I think a company can make is siloing data just into a department. And what I mean by that is, of course, your data scientists are probably going to operate within a department, within a structure, but you have to ensure that every employee in every role really needs to be able to understand data and how to use it. It's critical to have total buy-in across the board and have everyone connected to the process. We're going to dive into specific why that's the case, but frankly, you need a flow that the people using the data and asking the, for the data, as well as those processing the data, everyone's kind of on an even playing field, understands what's possible, what's feasible, what's realistic, what's important. Uh, it, doing that's going to help ensure that you're not wasting your time on projects or spinning your wheels on things that aren't important or aren't feasible. Uh, it really also with this upskilling, it's critical now more than ever to upskill your employees to leverage data. We're going to touch on why that's the case. And again, reference what the government's doing as a perfect example of that. And then also uh, we're going to circle back on how data inspired employees are going to be your next generation of leaders and how you can both uh, promote that internally with those uh, future leaders now, as well as use that data to actually help identify who some of those leaders are going to be. To start off again, we're going to, uh, the need for data across an entire organization. Uh, when I do this podcast, I know that it is diving into data. It's probably targeted more data folks, but I really, really, really hope that there are other people out there that are not in data roles that are able to listen to this and get value from it. Every role in every employee in every company, as far as I'm concerned, has an opportunity to use data more effectively. It doesn't have to be just a data department. You don't have to be a data scientist. You don't have to be an R or a Python expert. No, anyone in any role can use data in different ways. And having data-driven employees in all roles is critical to growing a business in 2020. Technology and what we can do with data, the, the abilities that we have that we didn't have even five years ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, for sure, those uh, need to be used by everyone within the organization and can't just be stuck into a corner. Um, every department and business unit also really needs people with data knowledge and role expertise in order to most effectively use data. Again, getting away from that data department that things are sent to and that's what everything you know that's where the magic happens and everything just comes back from them so breaking down these silos you can't have this data operate as an independent entity so what do you do because when you have that it leads to a divide between the data that's actually being used the data that's actually being captured what the data recommendations and the analysis and the findings are and the feasibility and the practicality and the actual application of these within the business you can't have someone very, very, very rarely, I should say, I won't say never. Can you just send someone who's very data centric, who has a lot of the data skills, give them all the data and say, go find the best things that we should be doing or the best insights here. You need guidance there. And it's not realistic at the same time to have 100% of your staff be incredibly data centric. It's, we would lo I'd love for that to be the case, but it's just not realistic. But Something you can do is ensure that there is a guide in each department for data. And what I mean by that is there's probably someone who's more data inclined in every organization, within every business unit, within every group, team, however the structure is that you guys have set up, that can really act as a liaison between the more technical data team and the business units. It gives you that go-between of, uh, we've talked in the past, a little bit of a unicorn role. And it doesn't need to be someone who has the skills for the data even necessarily, but they need to really understand how data works, um, how sample sizes and data cleanliness all play into the impact you're gonna have of the analysis. And when you have this, some of these people that's again, designated, implanted within a business unit, within a team, 
you're going to have a better understanding from both sides on how to practically apply recommendations as well as prioritize projects because you're not just relying on people that are disconnected from the day-to-day -day practices and you're also not just solely relying on people who maybe don't fully understand data or the capabilities of data. So that's the first step and we're actually going to circle back in our second topic here today and how you break down those silos. I'm going to walk you through a project of how you can go about that. But as we're talking about this, you might be thinking like, okay, you're saying I can't have, you know, we're not going to have a hundred percent, but nearly everyone needs to be kind of data, you know, driven and understand data. Um, and I have to have these guides and maybe I don't have the person right now in each department that has those capabilities. Well, that's okay. You don't, they're not saying that we need to have that in place yesterday. We're saying this should be a focus moving forward, which is where upskilling and reskilling comes in and is so critical. So I'm going to reference that again, that FedTech magazine article that I mentioned. I was talking about a new program rolled out by the U.S. federal government. So the Office of Management and Building launched a reskilling academy recently for data science. And what this is going to do is two to three people of each of the agencies, I believe there's like 25 agencies that kind of roll up under that office, um, are going to develop talent, again, two to three per unit to identify patterns in data. They're going to take them and not necessarily make them data wizards and, you know, uh, Python masters or anything like that, but they're going to develop their data skills and try and upskill them a little bit in identifying patterns in data for usage within that team. They also mentioned in this article that data science is one of the most in-demand skills for federal IT leaders for C in the next two to three years. So again, there's never a better time to make an investment within your team for this skill set. Not necessarily every person in every department, but a good chunk of people, whatever's feasible for your business situation um, to really promote that. And the nice thing about this approach, again, not we're not saying go hire more data centric people. Obviously, if you can grow the team with more data minds, that's awesome and great. But that's not always realistic. I think this approach of identifying your top performers who know the business already, they know the office, the branch, whatever it may be, and upskilling them has a lot of benefits. Again, they already know the business. They understand the financial impacts. They understand priorities. Um, and frankly, it's also from a monetary perspective, probably makes more sense to um, upskill someone you have compared to go hire a new employee with a different skill set just to fill that role. So it's a really cool opportunity. Uh, so we see the federal government doing this. And if they're on board, then I really think everyone should get on board. But uh, as the Associations Now article I mentioned earlier mentions, this is not just the government. There's a KPMG study that came out that 84% of tech companies surveyed are prioritizing teaching workers new skills. So more than four-fifths of companies out there, one of their top priorities right now, especially, again, as we're coming out of the COVID pandemic and things are getting back to normal um, and the, you can call it the new normal of how businesses have adapted, are saying that teaching workers new skills, upskilling workers, specifically around data, is a critical, critical component and focus for them moving forward. Also, another thing to consider is that when we talked about upskilling a decade ago, even let's say, that probably meant sending someone to a night course somewhere or having them, you know, go maybe get a textbook and read through it or, you know, uh, do some type of non-structured course or some uh, structured off-site course that's very, you know, time consuming. Uh, it can be a little bit of a challenge to fit into day-to-day -day schedules and normal work operations. However, with online learning and the adaptability that businesses have shown in the last six months, there's never been a better time to do this. They mentioned that article also that giant companies like Shell, for instance, are making massive investments in online learning and upskilling their employees. 
It's simply the need for online learning has never been greater within a company. And because that need is there, the solutions are there also. Great chance for me to plug market scales online learning opportunities here. And what your company can do is not just create um, their own content, but also create their own educational information for clients, for prospects, but also for your internal team. Don't overlook that. Don't focus too much on, well, I need to get for my customers, uh, you know, educational courses on how you use my tool. That's where a lot of people go when they think online learning, the first major project. But I'd encourage you, think about internally what you could do to educate your folks. And maybe it's not building a course. Maybe it's going and finding some of the awesome courses out there through a course RA or a Udemy or something like that. There's tons and tons of great educational content that is not that time consuming. It, it's not that, that deep in the weeds that you can't get a good understanding without having every little technical checkbox um, completed. So there's a great opportunity and now's the time to embrace that. Don't wait for this kind of wave to pass and, oh, we just got to batten down the hatches and survive right now. No, no, take this opportunity, embrace it. Lean even heavier into educating your employees, growing them, because when you educate, there's no better investment. There's no better capital expenditure you can make than investing in your talent and your employees and the incredible team that you've already built and helping them take it to the next level, which in turn takes your business to the next level. The other little article uh, before we hop on to the future leaders piece, um, one little thing that this pointed out is that HR departments need to take as much time upskilling and take that as seriously as they do hiring. It's been something HR has traditionally been in a hiring role. However, I really think that the future of HR departments or departments very similar to that within your company, what they need to focus on even more so is this upskilling, is this education and growing your current employees. There's all types of stats out there about how much cheaper, more efficient and better off your business is by doing this and by upskilling and training the people you already have that you've already invested in that you already have in place that already understand your business compared to hiring from outside so it's definitely something for any hr leaders out there to really really take a look at really make a focus internally on your company as soon as you feasibly can make that happen the last piece i mentioned that data quest article is data identifying future leaders so not only are there lots of benefits um, within the company, you know, right now you can realize, but something from a leadership perspective to consider when you're looking not just at next month, next year, but 20 years down the line, what does the future of your business look like? Well, that really probably depends on what the future leaders of your business look like. And so in conjunction with this upscaling effort, this is a great opportunity to really map out some of those future company leaders. And there's kind of two ways that play together really nicely. Um, one, in the most simple terms, a data-focused culture is critical, and the folks that are going to be leaders in the future are almost going to have to be data-centric. The way the world is moving, the way technology, again, is advancing, you need the people that have those skill sets. So, again, invest in it now. Get that ground-level understanding. Don't send them to coding school. Don't make them do that. But make sure that the people you've identified as your top performers that have those natural characteristics of leadership that you see leading your company in the coming decades, make sure you instill them with a good base level understanding and usage of data now so that you can reap the benefits of that down the line. Um, and the other thing this DataQuest article really dives into is how you can actually use data to identify those leaders more effectively. So maybe you don't know who those future leaders are. Well, data is a great place to kind of give you some insights and give you some tips on where to start. This article listed a handful of things we'll touch on, um, different kind of KPIs and data points that you could pull in order to identify some of those future leaders. So as we run down the list here, the first is applied performance 
um, and knowledge sharing. So you need people, a good leader, someone who can not only effectively communicate, but can share, teach, and bring the rest of the company up with them. And so by going through this process now, by understanding who's able to take the reins on being better at data and getting in front of understanding data and using an organization, it's going to naturally kind of identify you, the people that have the propensity to lead and grow, again, especially in the future where companies will likely be even more reliant on data. Another one is adaptability. So being able to have someone, anyone who's in leadership, one of the best things I can say about Ben Maitland, our CEO here at MarketScale, is how flexible he is and how adaptable he is at seeing what's coming in the future and getting ahead of the curve. If you have a leader who's really stuck in their ways, who, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you're probably not going to innovate. You're not going to grow. You're not going to expand the way that you have the opportunity to do. You need those leaders who can identify those incredible opportunities, who can pivot when needed, who are able to maintain structure while still looking to the horizon and understanding and using data on which leaders within your business or even which employees are not only efficient at hitting the deadlines and doing the little things you need to do to keep it running today, but are also able to stay flexible, look for different opportunities, identify new things that you could be doing or even they could be doing within the role. That's going to be another good indicator that you have a future leader on your hand. Another one is aspiration. So the people who Obviously, a component of being a business leader is wanting to be a business leader. It's it's not an easy task. You need someone who really kind of invests in it and really wants to do it. So with this online learning, with this upskilling that we're encouraging you to do, see who's actually participating. See what they're doing, how seriously they're taking it. Again, I would highly encourage you find a platform. Maybe it's like a Udemy type thing that you can really encourage people to sign up for as many courses as you can. The company's going to pay for it. Usually you can find a low cost option to do this and see who really embraces it and takes advantage and who really wants to improve themselves, who takes lots of courses and develops lots of new skills and who's kind of just doing the bare minimum to get by and kind of check the box that, okay, I'm, I'm doing these courses you guys want me to do. The people who embrace that and really are, are taking the most advantage of that, again, those are the people who are aspiring to be great and to better themselves. And they're going to be the people that are in the position to aspire and grow your company in the future. The last component it talks about here for the general business units um, is multi-metric performance. Um, this is definitely more data specific, but you don't need to necessarily only look at everything in silos, as we've talked about in the past. You can use data science and you can use effective data analysis to really combine all the KPIs, whatever your business, whatever the structure, whatever the case may be, to really identify those top leaders. So that's the way that I'll say more traditional kind of data practices and what most people think of can really play into this. The last piece of this DataQuest article goes on to kind of touch on things that I'm going to put in that HR category, again, how we wrapped up that last little segment. And there's three big things that HR departments can do um, besides, again, just really taking upskilling seriously and promoting that within your team. One, building success profiles. By using data effectively and having some structured data around your team, around who was interviewed, who was hired, um, and how they performed, how long they stayed on, you can build success profiles to see who are our most successful people? What was their backgrounds? And you can try and replicate that. You can see that, you know, sometimes it's not just the person with the most degrees listed or the most skills listed on the resume. There's other, you know, soft characteristics or there's soft skills in there. Uh, maybe it's a specific type of knowledge or specific experience they've had that has led to your most successful current employees. Great. You now have a template almost for what you want to look for when you're bringing on new people in the future. Additionally, leadership planning models. Being able to use data to more effectively develop 
um, planning and structure and guiding your leaders. And that can start with the HR department, as well as implementing a data focused culture and bringing things, bringing data up in every interview. Make sure that if you're a company that really takes this seriously and really wants to innovate and grow and be better with data, then make sure the people you're bringing in care about data. Bring that up in the interview, even if it's a completely data divorced role that you think, how on earth is, you know, uh, the new janitor we're going to hire, you know, why do they need to know data? Well, it's part of the culture. If you really want a data-driven culture and a data-driven organization, it needs to start at every level. And you can't have people that don't see the value in it or you're going to run into issues down the line. So I think there's some great takeaways there about using data to identify future leaders, not only from the actual data itself, but also who is embracing the data and trying to improve themselves. To wrap up this segment, Frankly, there's never been a better time to take advantage of online learning to upskill your workers. It's a great opportunity. There's so much out there and there's going to continue to be more and more as we move forward. So make sure you're embracing that and taking advantage of that. By upskilling those existing workers, you have the benefits of breaking down that data silo, um, having people who already understand your business improve the data rather than bringing in someone very, very specifically for data and having to require them to learn every piece of your business and all of that you know, intrinsic knowledge that has been developed and the value within your organization that's there already. Um, and again, this is a great way to identify uh, future leaders. Look at who's taking this stuff seriously. Look at who's data centric. That's who are going to be the leaders in the future. And make sure that you have a plan in place to grow and support them in those endeavors to put them in a good position. We are going to take a quick break here on diving into data. We're going to come back. We're going to walk through understanding and fixing your internal data. A little process project game, if you will, that I'm going to encourage you guys to take to kind of start working through this process to tie back in with those data leaders I was referencing earlier. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Diving Into Data. Our last segment today, as I mentioned, is going to be understanding and fixing your internal data. And so what we're talking about here, we've touched already multiple times this episode on tying in for that data to be used across the company. And if you aren't already doing that, there's never a better time to start than right now. So there's a couple things you're going to have to do to make this happen. Setting up a structure is an important success. I mentioned those designated data leaders. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but also equally important to really buying into this is ensuring you're following best data practices, which your leader, those data leaders can help enforce. If you go through this process of identifying your data issues now, it's going to help you long term and it's going to help you prevent a situation where when you finally upskill everyone, when you finally get everyone to really buy into using this data, you go to use it and realize, dang it, we need to wait a year because we don't have enough good, clean, structured data to actually do anything with. So there's, again, I kind of outlined a little project that I'm going to encourage you to do with your team if you haven't done this. This is something I'm actually setting up currently in MarketScale, which inspired this. And I'll mention here in a second how we kind of already did one of these little pilot projects in the past. But I broke this down into kind of a four-step process, uh, understanding your data, what do we have, how's it look, and do we need to clean it? So this is a process, again, I would say that you want to go through with your every business unit, every team. What I'd recommend is within each of those teams, you need to identify those business leaders, as we talked about, that have a data-centric uh, capability or aptitude and really make them your liaison, your go-to. So uh, the first step is you need to understand, again, every unit, every employee needs to understand what you do and don't have, what is and isn't possible today. 
So to start this, have each unit go through led by those data leaders and have them identify three to five what I'll call wish list projects. So these are things that immediately and are apparent to them that this is how data can make us better in the future. This is how better insights can be generated by a data. This is how we could use data to more effectively guide our team in the future. It can be a wish list. Don't put constraints on this. Have them think up whether it's incredibly simple and you know kind of straightforward or whether that's a very massive undertaking. It's okay. Just start listing out these projects and try to identify as a group and kind of brainstorm the three to five best little projects that you'd like to take on maybe in the next couple of years to make your team better. When you have those data leaders drive that, those data-centric people kind of leading this, it'll help ensure that things are at least generally in the realm of possibility. Obviously, we don't want wish lists that are just complete moonshots that are never possibly going to happen. But again, it can be, you can think a little bit, you can go outside the box a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. So have those data leaders guide that. So that's understanding your data. Again, understanding what you want to get out of your data. Maybe is an even better way to put that. So naturally, we have these wish list projects. So the next step is, what do we have? Take all those goal items and ask simply, could we do this today? And so you might think, well, like, why would we you know, say this if we didn't have think we could do today? Well, I don't mean just, you know, in theory, could you actually practically do this today? Have your team work together to understand really what is needed for this. Don't just uh, this is where some companies take these wish lists, throw it over to that data department. I'm talking about, say, good luck. No, no, no. I'm saying your business units, your non data teams. Have them work together to really understand what goes into this. Okay, you want a better forecasting structure? Let's really specifically talk about the types of information we need in order to create an accurate forecast. Get granular. Everyone needs to kind of explicitly see and state where a data point comes from. So don't just say, well, we need the average, you know, churn rate. And no, 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 stop. Okay, now that's almost a whole separate project there. So we really need to dive in and where are we going to get that information? Where is it going to capture? Have them understand the entire team, what mechanisms are in place today and the data they are capturing. And maybe more importantly, have them understand what is not being captured. So this could be a great opportunity for you to maybe tweak some things that uh, need to be changed in the future because as you go through this, they naturally realize, oh, well, if we want to see forecasting, we're not going to be able to do that without X, and we don't even capture X today. Great. This is a great first step. This is what we're talking about, planning now so you can effectively use data later. So, again, your team's looked at what do we have, and now we need to take it even a step further and say, well, how does it look? So, uh, this is where we tied into what can be next steps. Um, almost make a game out of this, potentially. So you've identified these things that you do have. So yes, there's going to be some things you identify that you don't have. Um, you're going to identify these gaps in your processes, usage, uh, your tools, whatever it may would it be, pardon me. But you're going to see what's going to prevent you from being able to complete these. But don't necessarily take for granted the things you say, oh, well, we do capture that today. I think it's a great exercise to have the non-data folks, non-data team, um, help the data, again, the data team, the data leader, whoever it may be, pull some extracts, show them the data that they think is there, and see how really how clean it is, how nice it is, how aligned it is for what they need. Hopefully at this point in the process, again, you've really gotten granular and understood, well, we need to see the exact date someone signed and the day they canceled um, along with their, you know, scores along the way, or I don't know, making something up here, to really identify who's going to churn. Well, okay, so now you've realized that you don't capture the scores effectively, but hey, we do have the start and end date. We always have that. Well, go pull that data and be sure. I think most companies, and you'd be surprised at how often you see 
folks that a data point seems so obvious, so easy. Of course we have that. There's no way we're not capturing that. We'll go check and see if it's really being captured accurately. Have them go through and do a little game out of it. Um, identify the most issues with the data, the most errors in the data, um, and really do that. And as you're doing this, hopefully what you're going to identify through this little project is, hey, maybe the self-realization on their part, wow, I need to be a little bit tighter with the way I'm capturing this and adhere to that a little bit more. Um, I sometimes just forget to enter that data point. You have to instill data discipline in your team. If you take nothing else away from this topic today, um, take this away that nearly every organization lacks data discipline. It's just natural. It, it get, the data can be tricky, especially when there's some manual process around it. Um, when capturing the data isn't necessarily something that is a major driver of their day, um, isn't a major KPI for them that they're worrying about. You need to understand that nearly every organization probably lacks some of this data discipline and getting your team to adhere to a structure, to adhere to processes. Again, if the data matters, a good opportunity to identify what they're doing that doesn't really matter at the same time. But when you instill this data discipline and have them go through this project, hopefully they'll realize how critical this is because there is so much potential, so much opportunity with what we could do for this data. It can make my job so much easier and so much better, but we aren't doing the right things right now. I'm not filling out that form I need to fill out. I, you know, it gets, gets bumped down my priority list. Well, we got to reprioritize that. We need to make that happen. Help them see why some of these little things really matter and add up in the long run. And I think you'll be surprised at the results you see and how naturally that improves within your organization. Now is when we kind of say, okay, we've done this little exercise. And I think the last step um, which kind of wrapping it all together is now we need to work with the data team a little bit. Now we need to go a step further than those folks that maybe aren't classically trained data can go. So now really look at, okay, what can be corrected? What can we do? How can we make a more efficient process? How can we ensure we get this data? The team has that. Again, those data leaders within the department can help enforce this because um, it really is a two-way street at this point. The data team needs to be able to guide on what's needed for effective analysis. They'll be able to help tell you, okay, we do need X and Y. We really don't need Z actually, or we also need A and we haven't even talked about A yet. So you need that from that side, but you also need this pull and this push from the business unit side, from the non-data folks, because they need to be able to guide on priority. They need to be able to guide on feasibility and practicality within the actual application. And they also are the ones that we're going to need to follow through on a lot of this data discipline on the data capture on ensuring we have good, clean data to be able to use. So maybe then when you're here, do a tiny little pilot project within each unit. Hook them up with someone from the data team, have the data leader drive it. Require data discipline from the team as part of this process. It's going to require collaboration between the data and business side. So it's a good practice and a good kind of exercise for you to kind of continuously do to remind everyone of the you know necessary synergy there. But also, I would encourage you make a relatively low bar, um, hopefully something that provides decent value. But don't have this little pilot project be something that's reinventing your business or, you know, completely flipping everything on its head. Start low. Start something simple, something that's a pretty easy thing that they can see immediate value from but isn't going to take a ridiculous amount of time. We don't want to whack them over the head with a data pipe here. We want to, you know, give them a piece of data cake and let them enjoy it and see that, oh, this can be pretty good if we just do the right thing. So uh, an example I'll use internally here, about a year ago, at market scale, we identified that one of the issues we were having from a new sales forecasting perspective was understanding really where our leads come from. Um, obviously, in a 20-20 business, you have leads coming from everywhere. 
Uh, you have inbound leads from different events. You have inbound leads from content on your site. Um, you have potentially tools that are telling you which companies are visiting and are ad tracking or things like that. Uh, you potentially have, you know, outsourced lists that you're buying from trade shows, you're buying from this. Maybe your sales team is kind of digging through LinkedIn or digging, digging through different directories to find people. You have all of these different places that leads are coming from. And if you're not effectively kind of identifying where they're coming from, you're not able to identify what gets better. So what we did at Market Scales, we went through, we looked and we realized, man, we have almost 50 different lead sources because we've gotten so kind of granular and one-off with these things. There's no way for us to really apply any structure here to really see what works. So we worked with the team, we set up eight options that we have across the board that really encompass everything. We also set up some lead subsources. This isn't necessarily something you'll need to do, but we wanted that extra granular level of detail while still providing that kind of meta level of lead source. And what we were able to do is we instilled the team, hey, think about this and think about how we can identify in the future, how these convert, not only from leads to opportunities and opportunities to close one deals, but how long it takes these to convert, how many calls and activities you should expect. Um, are there trends that, hey, uh, people that come from this, you know, come from inbound email capture on the website do really well when we do more emails with them compared to calls. Insights like that are all possible if we had the right data in place. And the team saw that and they embraced that. And our sales team did an incredible job of helping us start to really capture that data in a structured way. And so six months down the line, about I'd say four or five months ago now, what we were able to do we were able to analyze all those lead sources. We were able to see the timing and the conversion rates of all those sources. We were able to identify, I'm not obviously gonna share trade secrets here, but which lead sources specifically for market scale were just an absolute home run and did an awesome job of providing deals. Cause that not only, frankly, it makes the sales folks team a little easier. It helps them prioritize. And it also helps really guide them on the best way to go about targeting each of those lead sources. So this was a project that we did a little bit of with our sales team at market scale. I mentioned I'm and trying to set up a program right now. We do this even more with every team having that, um, you know, that, that data leader within each department, that uh, data disciple, that, uh, that voice for the data within each business unit. But I highly encourage you to do the same thing. In order to really use data and have your team and your company really get as much out of data as possible, everyone needs to part of, be a part of it. Everyone needs to understand it. And you have that opportunity with upskilling to really do that now and embrace that and make that happen. We're not talking about needing a team of data scientists. We're just talking about needing a team that's data literate and understands the value of data and then the, what actually goes in to effective data capture and analysis. Work through this little project with your team and I really think it's gonna help get the ball rolling, help uh, some light bulbs flick on for lack of a better term where, oh man, yeah, this would be really cool to have, but they can't do this unless I'm able to provide X, Y, and Z. I need to make sure I'm always doing X, Y, and Z. I think if you go through that process, you're going to see a lot of success and you're going to see a lot of growth from your team. And frankly, you're going to be guiding your company for a much, much brighter future. With that, we got to sign off and wrap up the episode today. Again, I appreciate you guys hanging with us through our couple week absence. And I hope you enjoyed the show today. Data starts at home, where we discussed upskilling and reskilling your employees for data usage within their roles, as well as understanding and fixing your internal data to kind of tie in and drive your team towards a better data-driven future. Hope everyone has a terrific week, and we'll see you back here next week on Diving Into Data.